Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'm going to ask you to join me, if you will, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'm going to read several passages of scripture here. And in a moment, link two scriptures and a couple of subjects that maybe at first will not make sense. But if the Lord will help us, I believe that we can draw a conclusion this evening. 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 17. The Bible says, And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been a, also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he made mention of the ark of God, that he, being Eli, fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck broke, and he died. And he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, and her pain, her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it or acknowledge it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Oh, what a, what a, just a dark, dark story. There, there's many layers of tragedy here, of course, that the bearer of bad news, you mentioned that a moment ago, being the bearer of bad news, often here is a servant that was commissioned to come out of the battle, to come and, and produce, to update Eli, and he tells Eli all of these things that your sons have been killed in battle. The ark of God is taken and, and all of these things begin to unfold as we see them in our mind in just a matter of mere moments. This woman heavy with child who remains nameless to us was overwhelmed with the, with the grief of all of this layers of loss and she goes into labor gives birth to a child, and in her closing moments of life, her last breaths of life, 
She names this child. She didn't really regard, the Bible says, didn't acknowledge that it was a male. It wouldn't have mattered, I don't think, male or female because the point was that the name of this child is gonna signify a very dark day in the history of Israel because God has taken or the glory is departed. But I want to turn your attention now and, and, and just hang on with me for a moment to the book of Isaiah chapter seven and verse number 14. In the writings of the prophet Isaiah, he says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, turn aside and see, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Shall call his name Emmanuel. So, uh, not messing with you today, but I have given you two incredibly opposing stories. Both, both of them deal with the birth of a child. One portrays the shroud of mourning over a mother. The other portrays what we come to know is a babe in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. One tragically portrays a mother's death while the other portrays another mother's rejoicing and the birth of a baby. One is tied to the cry of new birth and the other story is tied to the untimely sounds of death. These stories in and of themselves could not be further apart. One is about life and one is about death. However, it's the last scene that we need to pay close attention to. In this dying mother's last act, it's here that she said, this child will be named Ichabod because the glory, it means the glory is departed from Israel. Now, it seems to me that the wife of Phineas had a little more spiritual insight than even her father-in-law or her husband or her brother-in-law because the two brothers, they, they had grown up around church, we'll just say it, they had grown up around the temple, they had grown up around spiritual things, and so the ark, the ark to them could have been a little more, a little more than just kind of a good luck charm, just as long as we have this in our presence and you know, everything will be all right. It was just, it was just, uh, it was just something in their lives. To Eli, Eli became, it seems, more in, in, uh, encased in the idea that we have lost a piece of furniture. We've lost the glory of God. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that he didn't understand the significance of that. But it was this unnamed daughter-in-law. It was this unnamed woman that truly understood this entire picture in a moment of time, she got it. It wasn't that we just have lost a husband and, and, I, and I've lost a brother-in-law. And, and this is not that I'm looking over here and I just watched my father-in-law fall from his seat and, and die. But she understood we'd lost more than just a piece of furniture here and I lost more than a breadwinner here and I lost more than a father-in-law here. But she had a burden for the glory of God. Something significant and dark has happened in the history of Israel. The presence of God's glory in the camp was a special sign. 
It was a significant sign. It was the telltale sign that the children of Israel were the people of God. But now, she says, the glory of God has departed and God's special favor is gone. In truth, the glory of God did not return to the earth, to the earth as we know it, until the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And today, I'm thankful that he, didn't, that he doesn't just walk on the earth, but because of Calvary, amen, we have the privilege to know the and experience the indwelling of the presence of God. And so the at once the at one time the, the, the presence of God is contained in a piece of furniture. Amen. It could be stolen and it can be returned. It was once contained on flesh in flesh that walked on the face of the earth, but he gave himself as a living sacrifice for you and I. Amen. But he said, But if I go, Amen, there's gonna be a comforter that's gonna come. It's gonna live in you, it's gonna dwell in you. In you. Praise God. At the center of these two passages that I have read to you this morning are two children being born. One, of course, in the Old Testament and now one in the New Testament. And their, their names have completely opposite meanings. One says, Ichabod, that God has left us. But the other said, Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. I'm, I'm talking to you this morning about the power of a name. Amen. The power of a name. That woman crumpled to the earth and she gave birth and was in such labor that she wasn't really even concerned whether it was a boy or whether it was a girl. Does it resemble me? Does it resemble its father? Does it have light hair, dark hair? It, it, that doesn't matter. This child, my parting words, is going to be called Ichabod because God has left us but I'm going to tell you today that God is here among us. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Hallelujah. God with us. It would be a dreadful thing. It would be a dreadful thing to consider living in an Ichabod world. A world without his glory. A world without God. A world without the privilege of prayer. A world without the opportunity to feel and see and sense his presence. One writer gave this descriptive tribute to the Lord. She writes, here is a man that was born in an obscure, in an obscure village, of the child of nothing more than a peasant woman. He grew up in a despised village, worked in a carpenter's shop. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a home. He never had a family. While he was still yet young, the tide of popular opinion turned swiftly against him. His friends ran away. Even one of his closest betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through a mock of a trial, nailed to a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the last the very last and only piece of property that he owned at the time, it was down to just one seamless robe and they cast lots for that garment. When he was died, when he died rather, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Centuries from now, centuries have come and gone and yet today, that same Jesus who had no credentials at all, that same Jesus is the centerpiece of all humanity. He is the reason, not that not just the reason we gathered here today, but he's the reason we woke up today. He's the reason we have breath in our lung. He's the reason we have a praise in our heart. 
He's the reason we have a sound mind. He is the centerpiece of all civilization. Yes, yes, yes. But how frightening to realize that if, had Christ not come, we would live in an Ichabod world. There would be no perfect example before us by which we could set the tone or the compass of our lives. He spent his entire life doing the will of God, unselfishly serving the needs of others. Jesus Christ was so perfect that he himself could stand before his enemies and, and they themselves could find no fault in him. To be sure, he left us an infallible example to follow. It's shocking to think about the things that we may not know had the Lord not robed himself in flesh and walked among us. It's shocking to think what we may not have or be able to understand if there had been no Emmanuel moment in the absence of Jesus Christ. If he had not come, the world would be lost in sin and without hope. Under the old law, the best man could do was offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Amen. They offered sacrifices by the thousands. It was not for the remission of sin. It was just for the pushing back of sin. But next year, you're going to find us right here, same time, same place. We're going to be doing it all over again. These sacrifices could not remove sin. According to Hebrews 10, it was only the blood of a perfect sacrifice that could atone for the sins of humanity. Therefore, Jesus came to the this earth and he walked among us he was yet without sin amen then he died on a cross and now man can be saved because there was a spotless lamb because there was a spotless sacrifice to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ hear me it takes more than just a profession of our faith it takes more than shaking a preacher's hand it takes more than having our name on a church membership roll amen we need to repent of our sin according to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and we need to be buried in baptism amen by water immersion not by the sprinkling of the water but be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins and then the Bible says and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost hallelujah that all was made possible because we live in an Emmanuel world if Christ had not come, then mankind would not have a mediator to save us from our daily sins. We would simply, ladies and gentlemen, be in a Nicobod world. But when a person emerges out of those waters of baptism, do you know what? They did more than just get wet. They did more than just have something to talk about, a date to write down, a certificate to frame somewhere, but your sins were washed away. One writer said, as far as the east is, is from the west. Another refers to the sea that we call the sea of, of forgetfulness. I want to tell you either way that when we come up out of that water we're washed and we are cleansed and the enemy has lost his ability amen to accurately accuse us because the slate has been cleaned. We have the opportunity for a fresh start but in a world without Christ there is not an advocate 
Thus, there is no forgiveness of sin. We would simply be in an Ichabod world. No God, no glory, no hope. If Christ had not come, there would be no hope beyond the grave. We would stand at this desk. Amen. We would look over into that casket of our loved ones and we know that would be it. There would be no hope of another day. There would be no hope of a reunion. There would be no hope. This would just be it. We would stand at our grave and that would be it. Amen. There would be no hope at all but through Jesus Christ we understand amen that in us though our flesh may die there is a never dying soul hallelujah and one of these days we're going to be called up together in the air to meet him and we are going to know we're going to be known know and be known amen even as we are here we may not understand that completely amen but I'm going to tell you today that there's going to be a reunion day and the grave doesn't hold us and the the grave is not the final period of our life's sentence. Amen. We no longer fear the pains of death. We no longer fear that eternity in hell because we have been born again of the water and of the spirit. And so there is hope. Hallelujah. We stand with hope. I preached funerals where my heart was breaking. It was only breaking because I knew there was going to be an empty table at my seat, an empty place in my heart and in my life and in my home but I had hope I had hope and realized that we may take them somewhere and we may bury their body we may bury the shell but that is not the final verse hallelujah that is not it I believe Paul summarizes it well for us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Hallelujah. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. Oh, hear me, hear me, hear me. You're not going to need glasses there. You're not going to need a hearing aid there. You're not going to need a walker there. You're not going to need an aspirin there. Hallelujah. We shall be changed. We shall be changed. But none of this would be possible in a world without Christ. In a world without Christ we would just be in an Ichabod if Christ had not come, there would be no prepared home for the faithful in heaven. The book of Revelation gives us a vivid description of this home. Revelation 21 reveals things like foundations of stone and on them the 12 names of the 12 apostles. John saw things like jasper walls and gates of pearl and streets of pure gold. We can't even wrap our small minds around that. Amen. He said that there would be no need of a sun or there would be in the day and there would be no need of a moon at night. Why? Because Jesus amen the glory of the Lord was going to be the lamp both day and night. Amen. But I'm here today to tell you that we would not have that promise without Emmanuel well. We would not have that promise without Emmanuel. Without Emmanuel, Brother Williams, we would just be living in an Ichabod world. If Jesus Christ had not come. The Bible, I'm just, I'm just shaking up our pure thoughts here, but if Jesus had not come, the Bible could have ended with the last verse of Malachi. 
The last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi 4 and 6 says this, and he shall return the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse, the end. Those parting words left us with a dark and gloomy picture. Those words left us with little or no hope in this Ichabod world. Psalms 23 would be a beautiful poem, but it would end right there because, because we would really have no understanding of who this good shepherd is. It would just be a wonderful thing to frame and put on the wall. It would be a wonderful thing to commit to memory and quote and pacify ourselves, but there would be no revelation. We would not know the good shepherd. Isaiah 53 would be as difficult for you and I to understand as it was for the Ethiopian eunuch when he sat in his chariot trying to figure out and untangle the words of Isaiah when Philip came along and said understandest thou what thou readest and he said how can I and and some man tell me or teach me or show me how can I amen but I want to tell you Philip did he didn't didn't pick up his Bible and go to the front he didn't pick up the parchment and go to the back he didn't say you're looking at the wrong place but he with revelation took him from where he was and he began to preach Jesus to him but Isaiah 53 would mean nothing without Jesus it would mean nothing without Emmanuel hallelujah we would not know we would not know amen the son of man and the son of God we would not have heard the angel or read about the angel saying with God nothing is impossible the angel Angels would not have sung glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men. All of that would have been missed if we were just living in an Ichabod world. That would be the world without Emmanuel. No star to guide the wise men in a world without Emmanuel. In a world without Emmanuel, the cripple would have died in their crippled condition and the man at the pool of Bethesda would have died right by that pool just like he was. Blind Barnabas would have died without receiving his sight. The widow of Nain would have gone ahead and had a funeral and buried her son. Mary and Martha would have just conceded and they would have had to figure out how to live their lives without their brother Lazarus the leper would have died by the most dreaded disease known that day amen this is what it would have been in an Ichabod world a world without Emmanuel John the Baptist we would have missed it amen John the Baptist would have never had an occasion to say behold behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world amen that's what would have been amen in a world without Emmanuel the demonic of Gadara would have lived out his his life in the tomb he would have still been out of his mind he would have still been naked he would have still been cut he would have still been scarred he would have still been wounded Saul would have never been able to see the light on the road to Damascus there would be no light I'm going to tell you I can get out of the Bible on you this morning and I can tell you that if, if we had not had Emmanuel amen we can name them today amen Alan Pope would still be a drug addict 
morning. Amen. He may be in the grave this day. Amen. Somebody may still have a can of beer in your hand. Your marriage may have fallen apart. Amen. You may have been in a casino somewhere and lost everything. Amen. I'm going to tell you without an Emmanuel, without an Emmanuel, that bomb could have gone off when you were overseas in that desert. Amen. And you could have lost your life and there would be no Amy and there would be no Kalen. I'm here today to tell you, amen, that if there had been no Emmanuel, you may never have made your way back home and there would be no Jennifer. Hey, I'm telling you today that if we did not have Emmanuel in our lives, it would be so, so, so different. There would be no Simon Peter preaching at Pentecost. There would be no upper room. There would be no mighty rushing wind. There would be no cloven tongues like a fire. There would be no baptism of Jesus in Jordan's River. There would be no Holy Ghost in filling. There would be no revival to the Gentiles. You and I would have remained a sinner, born in sin, and we would have died in our sin. That's what it would be in an Ichabod world. Hear me, hear me. I understand what this world and our modern society has done with the Christmas season. And I realize how commercialized it has all become. And it is for many just about an almighty dollar. And for some, it'll just be about time off. For some, it'll be just about a Christmas bonus. For some, for some, it'll be about what I can get out of this. But let me just remind you of something. I hope when you walk away from this service, the next time you ride by, uh, uh, the next time you ride by, what do you, what do you call this? This? a nativity scene the next time you ride by a nativity scene I want you to look at it differently amen whether it's live or if it's just little plastic animals amen if it's just little lighted candles amen or animals or whatever I want you to look at it differently amen when you see that nativity scene I want you to know one thing I live in an Emmanuel world I live in an Emmanuel world amen this woman Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll never be the same. I can never look at a manger the same way again. Hallelujah. One woman said, Ichabod. One woman said, the glory is departed. But an angel came. An angel came and said, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel because God is with us. God is with us.
Amen, 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 amen. I'll just get you to stand if you will. When you consider all that's been said, I'm sorry I've been hollering. It just gets in me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Amen. I know. I feel what he felt when he said, like fire shut up in my bones. I, amen. When you consider everything been said today, listen again to the words of the angel and think of what this means to us. And the angel said unto them, Luke 2.10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, can you say that's me? <laughs> For unto you, that's me, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger, but don't discount. Don't discount the scene. Don't discount the lack of pomp and circumstance. And suddenly there was an angel. There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. <laughs> I just got to say it again. Matthew one twenty one, And thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. If you don't understand, he said being interpreted is God with us. Two children born in the Bible, each in different dispensations. Names, completely opposite meanings. Spiritually, we will either embrace one and reject the other or embrace the other and, and reject the one. Amen. Ichabod, God has left us. I feel sorry. I don't want to be unkind, but I feel sorry for saints sitting on pews today and pulpits saying, this is not for us today. I feel sorry for saints that are by the thousands today in, in, in churches across our nation around the world saying the days of miracles and wonders are over. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is not for us today. That was in the, in the New Testament. That was then. And this is, I feel sorry for them. Amen. I want to just tell you today. Amen. What they're saying is Ichabod. That's what they're saying. God has left us. God is not here. Just shake my hand. Sign my name. Amen. Everything's going to be all right. No, no, no. I want to tell you we're not living in an Ichabod world. We're living in an American world. God is with us and God is here in this house today. Hallelujah. If you don't have the Holy Ghost this morning, there's not a better day. There's not a better time. Hallelujah. You know why? Because Emmanuel is with us. Emmanuel is in this house. Emmanuel is in this place. My Lord, let's worship him, church. Let's magnify him. Let's magnify him. Let's magnify him. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.